Yes, yes, what is up, people? Welcome back to Kickoff Sessions. Welcome to episode 61. On this episode, I am joined with a very, very special guest. It is my good friend and all around gent of a dude, Rocco Stratum. So, a little bit about Rocco. He first appeared on Kickoff Sessions on episode 48, if I believe that's correct. And he is the founder of AMZ Trader, host of the SGM podcast, and highly skilled in fundamental and technical analysis of financial markets. His background is in finance, his future is in tech, and he's been doing a lot of integration between the two. He's really used his experience in financial markets to create his own podcast, create a business around it, and really provide some good investment advice, all things considered. Which brings us to our conversation today. So I wanted to set up a podcast for this episode that was all centered around investing but not necessarily about the why so i have a lot of podcasts that discusses why you should do this why you should invest why you should you know manage your money better but i want to get into the nitty-gritty on how to do it that is the purpose for today that is why i got rocco involved for today and we go into literally the detail so i give an insight into my own portfolio some of the positions that i hold good rightly or wrongly should i say and really where are the cracks in this and how you can improve from here. Rocco gives a deep down analysis into the five pillars of investing and how to build a long-term portfolio. And we really, really emphasize the importance of a scaling portfolio and how to scale. We look at some of the risks, we look at some of the good, the bad and the ugly. And I really think it's you're gonna enjoy it and I really think it'll be informative and helpful and just entertaining as well. So before we get going, if you can share this episode on Instagram, tag kickoff sessions, new Instagram. Yes, I got deleted last week. And yes, I'm back with a new page. It is kickoff sessions HQ. Tag me, tell me something you enjoyed about the show and it's going to help that organic reach. So I'll leave it right here. Here's my conversation with Rocco, how to build a scaling portfolio. All right, we're recording once again. Rocco, we're back. This is our third podcast now at this stage. We've gone from looking at personal branding to startups to meme stocks to loads of different shit. And today we're going to get in under the hood and get into some more details if you're up for it. Yeah, Darren, how are you? So nice to be back. Um, feel like a friend of the show now. Of course. I mean, congrats being the number one uh, career podcast in Ireland. That's happened since since I was there. I don't know if I, if I had anything to do with that. I'd like to think so. <laughs> you always uh, let's, let's be modest about it. But yeah, <laughs> so, so glad to be back. Yeah, of course, man, of course. But I think what's sick is like what you're working on with your podcast is like, you know, down the finance route, down the fintech route. And then there's a lot of overlaps because like, yes. it's a careers podcast, but then touches off entrepreneurship, touches off like corporate careers, startup careers. And then there's always a nice like overlap, you know? So a big thing for young professionals like myself, I say young professionals because it sounds good, but really what it is is just young people <laughs> starting, starting their shit. Is that like, yeah, we need to be able to use our money wisely. We need to be able to actually yes. allocate it properly. So a big part that I've got into is investing over the last couple of years, uh, rightly or wrongly picking fucking stocks, yeah but like doing 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 some right things doing some wrong things you know so a yeah. big part of a careers podcast is okay let's earn income now let's use it wisely yes 
Yeah, yes, so that's the I'm idea. So basically, we've talked a lot about, you know, why should you start a portfolio? But we haven't really talked about, like, you know, how to do it. And I mean now, like, how to really yeah. get fucking serious about it. You know, yeah. building something that's not like 1 or 2K, something that's long-term. And also having a bit of a... a bit of a bit of an understanding of like the where the market goes like so for instance like i'm managing my own fund um and it's a pretty sizable condition it's a pretty big enough portfolio and last week or two weeks ago with all like the talks about inflation and stuff i lost six percent in the course yeah. of a week six percent yeah. man on a that know, sounds like a crypto portfolio uh it does is, is it a crypto it's a combination of both, but crypto is more violent, okay. man. There's been days where I've lost yeah. 25% in crypto. Don't we don't let's yeah. not get into that at the moment, you know? But um, just yeah, purely six percent was the US equities, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, like okay. uh, you know, and for anyone that's like understanding this, is that like okay, if you're fully concentrated in US equities, you can get yes. fucked from time to time. And that's exactly what happened in, in this in this scenario. So what I want to do is kind of get into that kind of detail, you know. And what's your initial thoughts on something like that? Like someone like me that's just shaving off all their earnings yeah 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 so first of all i mean i think we have to ask ourselves why are we here right because we have financial advisors we have wealth managers we have all these things in place and you are none or neither of those i am neither of those why are we in this situation i believe the legacy system is broken because um and all due respect to those guys they haven't kept up with the times right because we have all this the market is different we have all these new things since 2008 and people have that just not kind of catered to the young like this millennial gen z whatever crowd coming in you know this guy made like 100k with selling nfts and now he wants to invest <laughs> he wears baggy pants in a flat cap and on the other side of the table is this middle-aged let's call him middle-aged white guy with uh big glasses and he's sitting in front of his computer and whatever this guy is saying to him it goes over his head there's yeah. a disconnect between the financial advisor and these young guys with new money are coming into to the market really and i mean darren if you look at financial advisors it's about trust right mm -hmm. so it's saying that these guys guys like yourself they're coming and saying, I don't really trust this system. I want ownership of my money. I want to sort of do my own thing. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a good thing like we talked last time. But now it's about, okay, cool. How do I do that in a responsible manner? Yeah. And I think that's where you sort of, you start to think, okay, cool. What is the best case or the best practice setting up a long-term fund, right? Looking five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years down the line, depending on what your goal is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because you said there about like financial advisors. So myself and my close mate, um, Cullum, we were looking a lot into this last year and about like what can actually a financial advisor get you? We actually looked yeah. into it. There was one in particular in Dublin, I won't obviously name it, but it was saying that they will they will try to get 4% on your return, okay, on your fund. But they'll also take a cut of like one and a half, two percent So then I you're was about only to say that they'll take two or three percent. You're not even covering like... Exactly, exactly. So then let's return. say you make one and a half percent and then you pay capital gains tax of 30% on that. So you have 10K, you've made 4% and now you're only actually taking like 
zero point fucking eight nothing you could have just put it in a savings account exactly so that's why it becomes like more like you know not active but you take more control of it and ownership of it to do it so like yourself you know so that's an interesting dynamic and then move towards fee you know commission-free trading obviously we touched on this before it's fucking huge there's no there's no like undoubting about that but really for yourself now what do you think some of those like pillars are that you mentioned right so there are five yeah, so there are five pillars of investing, and these pillars are not sequential, they're not linear, but what I mean is like you don't start with one and then you move through to, you know, one to five, it's like see them as together, your house is standing on them, right? <clears throat> so the first pillar being how much help do I need, right? Because if you don't have, let's say, fuck all experience, then obviously doing your own thing isn't a great idea, right? So then, so you have three like three options you either go to a financial advisor but at least make sure that you are you equip yourself with the knowledge to to ask him the right questions and say listen this is what i want or what can you give me so that they don't bullshit you does it make sense right the second one is using something like a robo advisor which i mean gs has a brilliant one vanguard has a brilliant one not a it's not an endorsement i'm just saying robo advisor is basically i mean you you know about robo advisors as well mm-hmm. i do indeed yeah and then the last one is like completely doing it yourself from scratch with which we will cover like a bit later on and then we move so obviously you have the experience to do that right so and then the second one being what is the platform, right? What is the what is my platform? Because in in America you'll use like an IRA, in um, UK you'll use like um, a brokerage or whatever you want to use. But you need to decide what is the platform that you actually want to build your um, long term investment on. Mm-hmm. Third one is asset allocation. Right. Sorry, before we get to Alice asset allocation is risk profile. So you get predominantly three types of risk profiles, low risk, moderate risk, and aggressive. Depending on your age, you're like what, 25 now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so 25, you'll maybe like want to retire at 50. Let's go 50. Let's not go 60. Let's go 40. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Look, at, then you'll go super aggressive, right? You'll go super aggressive. Um, you'll have 70% of your. Um, portfolio and equities and the rest um, diversified. Moderate, you'll look at something like 50% or less. And then um, conservatively, you'll go something like 10 or 20% equities with the rest in bonds and ETFs mm-hmm. and stuff. But okay. So next pillar, asset allocation, right? How do I actually take this money and allocate? Right here, you look at equities. That's where you go and stock pick. Uh, which is like it's like Warren Buffett. It's not easy. Once again, and you see how the first pillar comes in now and saying, okay, but how much or how much help do I need? Can I do it myself? Do I need a robo advisor if I've got like intermediate skills, or do I go to a financial planner? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then at equities, commodities, um, bonds, uh, cash, crypto. Those crypto only being recent. Those are your main. Um, allocations and then the last part is just checking and rebalancing every quarter uh, you can choose you don't have to but every quarter or every year you just check your portfolio rotate out of some positions and or and rebalance which we'll cover i think later so i mean i hope that makes sense 
Yeah, it makes sense. It's just difficult also to manage all those different areas, especially like if you're going from like 5K to 10K, for instance. Yeah. It's like, it's like okay, you've had your first 5,000 that's in equities. And that seems fair for most people. They're buying a bit of Apple. They're buying a bit of Netflix, a bit of fucking Tesla, whatever. But as they're getting bigger, sh- should you be moving your money into more of that? Or should you now say, okay, the next 10, 5K should go into your bit of diversified, maybe move into um etfs at that stage you might start thinking a little bit broader and like i'm t- saying this even from my own perspective like let's say as i was saying there earlier so like looking at my own portfolio literally live as we're doing this and and 39 if, if it's crypto it shouldn't look that bad right now but i mean yes. let's give it five minutes <laughs> <laughs> but i'm saying like overall like i'm about 39 percent yeah. uh in equities uh, 33% in crypto and then I'm holding 30, 28% in cash at the moment so that's, that's a lot. Seems, it seems pretty high you know so that's why yeah. you get to like a next level is it, a, is it a time to say okay well this is too overly exposed what are my options in yeah. this period should yeah, I go so be looking would, for other areas yeah so I'm a big fan of diversification but not over diversification if you over diversify then basically you're just watering down your returns so Pick like five to 10 main stocks and pad it out with anything you you like. But I would look at things like ETFs, right? ETFs are fairly safe. Uh, MSCI World, uh, US trackers. These index trackers have been uh, proven time and time and time again to be relatively low risk or medium risk, uh, high return investments. Um, the other thing that you can look at, uh, at is uh, are bonds, like 10-year bonds, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. The returns are like 10%. It's not high, but it gives you, over those 10 years, a sustained, you know what you're going to get, right? There's no big major shocks um, or surprises. The thing is just 33% crypto is really high. I mean, I, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm an advocate of, of having crypto in, in a portfolio, but not more than 5% just because of the vol- sheer volatility over like a five year, we don't know what's going to happen. We, it's, it's a best guess uh, because there's no historical information, right? Because, I mean, if, even if you're picking stocks, you're picking it based on the, you know, what reputation. Did, yeah. And well, there's PE ratio. There is the balance sheet of the company. Who, what are they doing? Is it growth? Is it value? What exactly? Yeah. I can mix a bit of technical analysis, not really in long term, but there's nothing really on crypto to say this is what it's going to do over five years, 10 years. So that's why I said that that 33% is a bit high for me. It is a bit high, I suppose, and uh, I completely agree with you. But I suppose the counter argument to that as well is that like they'll go through like various bull and bear markets. They have certain periods where they're getting pumped to fuck. Now I do wish to unwind this position. There's no two ways about that, and I'm not like giving a good advice for it. But I'm saying like the crypto kind of like bro would say that okay, over the course of the last 13 years, we've had plus 20 crashes, and then it's always rebounded. So if you are looking at it yeah. from the perspective of five to ten years and that's a that's a that's a bullish perspective on it of course yes. but i think like that's the historical data that's okay and you also don't okay. base so, future yeah. returns off historical data but i'm trying to say this is where the the parallel comes in 
So, so what I can say to you is that if you want to go and you want to go safe, as safe as you can go, Ethereum would most probably be your safest bet just because of the smart contracts that are built on Ethereum, the tokenization that's happening, NFTs. NFTs are not going to go away. They're just going to like get, we are at the infancy stage. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but well, the thing is that people don't understand about NFTs is like you like to own things in the real world, right? So whatever you will own in the real world, you will also want to own in the digital world. Why? Because we like to buy things that we don't need to impress people that we don't know, mm. and you want to do that in the digital world. It's yeah, I can take a picture, or I can uh, copy a JPEG, whatever, but you don't own it, and the people in the digital world know that you don't own it. It's pure vanity, but that's what it is. And that's where Ethereum is sort of placing itself. Secondly, Bitcoin, I'm not convinced about Bitcoin as a currency. Yes, there's adoption in countries like El Salvador and now looking at um, uh, Brazil, maybe. But I'm not 100% positive. But those two are your safest bets. bets. Even if you look at the year-to-date return, it's hard to beat anything at the moment. Like when you look at those two, I would, I would pretty much try and stay away from altcoins. Altcoins are for the people that it's just alternative coins, right? These are the we touched on that last time. Uh, if you want to incorporate crypto into your portfolio, look at Ethereum first, and then possibly look at Bitcoin second. Yeah, I completely agree. Like. My close mate, my other close mate, Tom, like he's a always been a long-term crypto guy. I thought I spoke to you about him previously as well. And he just had his he has his head like fucking screwed on with this stuff. And uh, his thesis is like all these shitty oil coins are going to zero long term. <laughs> for the yeah, most well, part. Obviously, you'll find a couple of different variations, yeah. but for the Look, most part, they're driving to zero, you know. Right. So here's the thing. There are massive fractals. A fractal is just a combination of indicators. It can be three or four indicators that are suggesting that there's a high probability that the, your major cryptocurrencies are going to go parabolic, right? This is purely technical analysis, purely in the short term, which we're seeing the same fractals on the opposite side of gold pushing gold down. So it sort of makes sense. So to me, it doesn't make sense getting rid of all your crypto now. Maybe like, you know, rebalancing a little bit because of it's outperformed that much. But I would not necessarily get rid of everything. It's like it would be the equivalent of, you know, selling high um, <laughs> or buying high, sorry, and, and selling Sell low or something. Yeah, the, the opposite. You know what I mean? And what's interesting there is like you had a post I think previously, or was it a post? I'm not too sure about uh, the dudes that bought Bitcoin at 60k, and then yeah. they like held in pain and agony the whole way down to when it got to like 30k. Yeah, because you don't. Yeah, but 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 the same for any asset. Sorry, the same for any asset allocation. You do not buy at all time high. I'm sorry, gold. Same. 2100 was it? Look where it's now. It's been stuck there for. Fuck knows how long. Uh, uh, Bitcoin the same. And this, I always say in my posts on LinkedIn, I said, people who have a lot of this stuff, they want to accumulate more at the lower price point. Obviously, they are going to artificially buy the price down so that they can buy more at a cheaper price. And I mean, Bitcoin was the best 
example of this happening. When it went from that all-time high to 30, yeah, it's dead. It's going to go, what, like people say, 11, 9, no, maybe one day, not now. It's too much cash in it. These people have too much interest in it. I mean, the USA came out yesterday and said, we're not going to be, we're not going to ban crypto. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's rumors today, crypto ETF coming. If the crypto ETF, oh, sorry, if the Bitcoin ETF happens, there is going to um, be a massive shock, price shock. First of all, might, uh, Bitcoin might go down and then it's going to go up because of the liquidity, just the sheer amounts of people. Because remember, ETF is a, is a very nice instrument. It's a very an easy instrument. I don't have to know anything about it to just dollar cost average into an ETF. A lot of people are already doing it with other instruments. So why would they not do it with Bitcoin? So there's going to be a massive surge. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I completely get behind you as well. Like, like I'm saying, not saying that we're going to use Bitcoin in a fucking shop tomorrow. No, I'm not a crypto, but no, I'm not a crypto bull. I'm not a Bitcoin bull. I'm a yeah. realist. And I, and I look at trends and I see trends. And um, my trend for this year was gold is flat. It's going nowhere between 2000 and I think it was between 2000 and 1600. That's why I didn't put gold anywhere in anything because I knew it was going to be flat because the chart says flat, it's flat. Crypto, different story. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think the last point on that is about, you know, even though you don't think it's going to be used in a fucking corner store, that does not mean the price can't go absolutely intergalactic, you know, and you're saying there, but ETF or going to Brazil or whatever, you know, you know what I mean? Is it, we can't say that, it, that it can't happen. So that's why I prefer to be just completely unemotional to all this shit. Um, and if you have yeah. a bit of exposure, maybe 33% is, isn't the best approach, but you know what I'm trying to say is that like, overall yeah. it's a overall, like, it's just something that had to be considered about. So, 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 so if you if you sort of follow this narrative, right? That whatever the you, you don't buy into the narrative because anything has value because we assign value to it. Someone decides something is value, right? If everyone in the world tomorrow wakes up and say, okay, the Bitcoin doesn't have value, it won't have value. If everyone more people say it has value, it will have value. You, you get what I'm saying? So you're essentially taking a, a risk and saying well, probability of more people saying that it has value, which it looks like it's mm-hmm. going to be the case, right? 100%. And it could be dumb money or whatever, but that's the idea. But just those if, if, if you cap it, yeah, but if you cap it at 5% in a long term, 5% is nothing. It's, it's not enough to capitulate your whole portfolio. But it's enough if the if it goes a thousand percent to be a nice a nice nudge. Exactly. One thing you touched on there, which was really interesting, you were saying about like not picking fucking highs and selling lows. So yeah. S and P is like you know at its all time high at the moment, pretty much. And I suppose yes. what's near or even is it at that point? One or one or the other. But basically, because it's so close to the top, you know, is there considerable? amount of information to say maybe it's time to take a step off equities maybe it's time to rebalance off this is this an indicator that people should look at versus kind of blindly investing in even if it is dollar cost averaging because you could potentially get burnt 
So, so if you, yeah, so if you built your portfolio at the start of the year or whenever before this happened, you wouldn't care because a long-term portfolio, you really, it's like a five, 10 year, you don't really care about it. You're, you're probably after a six or 7% dip, you'll buy more just because it's it's gone on sale. If you want to start now, um, there's enough people out there besides myself saying, listen, you might want to take some cash off the table. It might not be the best time to go in because what, we're going into an earnings season um, and it's meeting a tapering uh, Fed that's in the mood to, to taper the, the bond purchases and asset purchases. So you don't really want to go in. I'll wait for Q1. Uh, if, if you want to start like a, your own fund, whatever, I, I wait for Q1 of next year to see where we are post-December and maybe yeah. start like Because things, things get vicious, you know, and if they do have a wind, like a rapid pullback, and if you are starting a fund, that's when you're going to start fucking selling into it because you're going to see a minus 6% or 10% and then you're just going to be gone then, you know. Yeah, because remember, you are not trading. You're not um, shorting the market. If you had a fund now established, you could take a derivative position where you short against like certain positions that you hold. Um, that that would have been like, we call it hedging, hedge accordingly. Um, but now to start a fund, that's maybe not the, not the smartest thing to do. Yeah, you touched on an interesting point there. So, um simon Rees post recently the other day was saying about you know if you're thinking of hedging now when the market turns that's when right. it's too fucking late but one thing it's i wanted all, to ask it already this, well, turned a bit so you were to well it turns out to be correct because you were too late exactly exactly but in general like as your portfolio gets bigger so you go from 10k yes. to 20k or 20k to 30k yes. what sort of hedging should you be looking for and even like myself like a lot of time like could be just fucking going in blind with a lot of this stuff so where is it you actually look because obviously you know people say like bitcoin's like the hedge or commodities is the hedge but no, is really is really looking just at a narrative exactly no, but gold, is looking at something the, the, like gold silver no no gold i've i'm not buying i i've never bought into the gold as a hedge narrative because if you look at it it's it's the the facts aren't there to justify that it is mm-hmm. the same with bitcoin um, if your profits have been good, just reinvest some of it into what's, what works. Look at your sectors. I mean, um, when you're picking stocks, right, you need to pick into sectors, right? So if it's like financials, industrials, um, pharmaceuticals, whatever, if one of those industries are performing very well, just reinvest it. Because you re- remember, you are already diversified. You don't need to diversify yourself more you just need to you know, take some of those profits and reinvest it. Yeah, that's interesting. But don't, but, but don't buy into that gold is a hedge because there's no there's no truth in it. I mean, it's it's a narrative, mm-hmm. and people like to believe it's true. And yeah, it's because it sounds professional. That's the reason why people think, oh, it's a look, it seems a good I, idea. I do believe gold is generational. If you look at, but I mean, you're talking maybe my children's children. Right, then we'll see like three, four, five thousand dollars. But to say short term, it's a hedge against inflation. It's, I mean, we're in a pretty shitty inflationary uh, environment now, and it's still sort of 
it hasn't gone. So you can say, yeah, it's artificially manipulated, whatever, I don't care. Mm -hmm. It's the facts are that historically it's shown not to be. So, yeah. Yeah. You can only just play with information you have at the moment versus like thinking. Correct. Don't, sort of don't buy you know. into a Marxist narrative about, oh, it's Bitcoin is the be all and end all. Gold is a be all and end all. Silver is a be all and end all. It's, it's never one thing, right? That's why you you call it a diversified um, portfolio. Makes a lot of sense. So I think the biggest difference in my generation and yours is the fact that you've been through several like bear markets, not several, maybe like one or two bear markets, whereas we haven't really, you know? No. So I think like what was, what's been like the biggest learnings you've seen since like 2008 or even prior, like that of really fucking... Sorry, panic selling. Because... When there's red and it's it looks fucking horrendous, it takes big balls to to stay in the market, right? Well, I'm talking about the corona correction. And and to to when you sort of fundamentally say and technically say that we've reached a bottom, this market is bottomed, to buy more because you make money where the like in, in the movement where the price is going, right? Not like when it went there and now you're trying to, you know what I mean? Chase America. So, so, yeah, yeah. So basically to buy on red and to sell on green because mentally in your mindset that your brain goes, uh-uh, not doing it, you can't. And I think that's where the big, that 2008, um, wasn't that involved but I uh, in the market at that stage, but I learned through that because if you go back into history, you can learn from it. And this corona correction was exactly the same. People say, oh, the stock market's going to crash. It's going to go up in flames. going to lose everything. You know what? Still might somewhere in the future, but sure as hell doesn't look like it, right? 100%. 100%. And if you think about it as well, that recovery in general so Corona crash was like the shortest crash of all time. You know, obviously yeah. the blip happened and then to get back to its natural levels, like took like, I don't know, six or nine months or some shit, which is quite yeah. interesting. But uh, when Max Passion was on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the last decade, if you're familiar with that, yeah. that concept. Yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know, basically it was the only decade in history whereby if you invested at the start of the, of the decade, and if you sold at the end that you'd lose money. So it was the only decade in the history of markets, which was 2000, 2000 to 2009. And there was still one fund that actually became profitable, but there was no one fucking left in it. The people who invested in 2000 had felt so much pain and agony from 2006 to 2009. They were all out by 2010. So that's why, you know, it's interesting because when you're at like my age, like it's almost like not cool to say like, oh yeah, you're like investing long-term. But to be honest, when you look at those statistics, it just seems like that no matter where you flinch is that it's going to work out, you mm. know, beneficial. If you just have some sort of like unemotion to it. I and mean, that's the biggest learning that I've had is that like, you know, shit hits the fan. Do not, do not make any irrational decisions, irrational decisions. And yeah, just WhatsApp me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it, it's interesting. Like if you just, compare it to the last decade and think okay there's been one decade in all this period but to be fair yeah max made a really good point he said yeah. okay that's fine but what about if 
you know, you've been feeling these losses for so long and then you just absolutely lose your mind and you pull out. He's like, it's the other side of it, of the day to day. But when I know. say phone me, it's not phone a financial advisor or phone someone. It's phone a buddy, like phone yeah. your, like so just someone to sort of a sounding board and say, you know, because we make irrational decisions we when we are stressed and i mean finance puts a lot of stress on you but i mean that's the thing about investing in the long term is you shouldn't really care yeah you shouldn't care because the probability that you're going to be up in 10 or 15 years is greater historically than being down now sure we could go from because we had the sharp sharp pullback of the corona correction and that's where we had this um uh, elasticity which which bounces up from you know, the fed printing money whatever buyback stock buybacks whatever mm-hmm. so we might go through a period in the next couple of years where we will see sideways movement and we'll see very shitty returns because we've got so used to, I mean, you could have thrown money at anything this yeah. year and, and, and could have made <laughs> a lot, like triple digits on stocks. So we're going to go through a period where it's not going to look as as sexy. The numbers aren't, aren't going to be as sexy and people are going to be deterred or whatever, but they forget it's a long game. It's, this is like a fifth at five to do 10 year game and it's comp have you met my eighth wonder of the world friend compound interest and reinvesting and that's the beauty of a diverse um, portfolio even if you take hits then you if, if it's fundamentally built correctly you should still be fine yeah and that's why i think using something like an etf is the best approach because if it is an equity you could just get fucked and the the, the company itself yeah, could be shit. You know? so like, if you look at companies like Plug, for instance, that was in, you know, um, uh, renewable energy. It's one of like a big, like US, like renewable energy tech stock. It had like a 1000% run up during COVID. And then obviously it didn't deliver on all of its expectations and rip back like literally like 90%. So someone, that is, someone pulled the plug. Yeah, someone pulled the plug. Exactly. So that's why it's kind of interesting because like if you pick the market, take take the, mar- okay, not take the market, not take the market return. Such but... a dad joke. <laughs> but it's true though. It's true though. And uh, that's what you got to kind of equip yourself with. Yeah. But, but I mean, there's, there's like, there's brilliant platforms as well. Uh, we haven't touched on platforms really. If you want to do this, this yeah. stuff, there's uh, if you're in the states, there's Vanguard. Vanguard has brilliant uh, platforms, and I talked about the robo advisors. There is a platform in the UK. Uh, it's a newish one called Wealthyhood. Um, it's something like a top twenty startup app, uh, whatever. But it's and you can find everything on there, and it's just super easy to use. Like it's not as not endorsed, not a sponsor, not getting paid to say it. I'm just saying it's something that I've came across. They are very transparent. The fees are reasonable. Um, so if you want to go and look at it, it's something you can go and look on because you need to build it on something, right? If you want to go really professional, like I'm, I'm talking about like a, it's like a Bloomberg yeah, like it's <laughs> well, it's called Mars. It's called multi-asset risk, uh, multi-asset risk systems. So you go and get yourself a Mars system. Just go Google Mars systems, and you'll get one. It shows you your whole portfolio, um, your risk allocation, everything. But I mean, then you're sort of running your own hedge fund. 
You know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. I mean that's not necessarily. None of us are going. I mean, you're not going to go and run your your own hedge fund because then you're trading with other people's or you're investing with other people's money and not your own. So of course, you got to be a little bit more wiser than this dumbass over here. Uh, any other further thoughts that you want that you think is relevant towards the retail investor to make sure you're not fucking the, up? Yeah, I think the retail investor needs to be encouraged, right? And not because, and it needs to be uh, taken away from, from trading because it's not trading. It's, um, it's taking ownership of your own money mm-hmm. and find yourself someone that you can do it with, right? Someone because like a like sort of a backup body system is also cool because like if you tackle big projects, whatever, it's always better to do it with someone than go in completely alone. It's just a it's just like sort of someone that maybe a bit more experienced than you um, that can like sort of guide you and give you a couple of pointers and tips, just so that you not if if you do fuck up completely, whatever, but that. Or make sure that you don't do it. Of course. Yeah. And I think especially what we're doing, Mama podcasting and everything, like doing it with someone is just 10 times better than doing it on your own. And it's that kind of sanity check, as, as you said, because otherwise, like you'll get very much lost on your own and just give up. And that's the last thing you want to yeah, do is just to you know, call it quits. Because you know, so. it's not rocket. It's, it's really not rocket science, but it can get very alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not looking for validation. It's just looking for... Um, I would guess community or like just, just saying, oh, fuck, did you see this? What happened? Whatever. And then, okay, cool. Let's fucking go on from here. Of course. Of course. Okay, Rocco, I want to stop it here. And I say a massive thank you for people that haven't checked out Rocco's podcast, SGM podcast on Spotify, on Apple. We're also going to get you on YouTube. We're going to fucking sort that out. Get these. This video is going to be our first YouTube video. Guaranteed. And I'll get you, and I'll get you on Twitter. <laughs> it's just, it's, but YouTube is fucking easy. Like, well, it's not easy to do well, and but Twitter it's easy to upload. Twitter is fucking easy as well. <laughs> but I, I can't be writing more stuff, man. Like, as in I'm writing on like, I'm writing on three platforms every day and I'm literally losing my mind. So the easiest thing is take these fucking video files. I'll send you a finished version of it and you can upload it straight to YouTube. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, man. Cheers. And there we have it for yet another episode. A big thank you to all the people that got to the very end. I know some of this can be kind of heavy at times. So if you got there and you enjoyed it and you learned, I'll just say a big thank you. If you'd like to hear a bit more, check out my other episodes and also feel free to share the episode to Instagram and tag kickoff sessions as always. And a big thank you to Rocco as well, the, the South African bro that always delivers on his messages. So I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.